It was up to Russia's people, Antony Blinken remarked, to choose their own leader. A regime change in Russia or any other country is not a goal of U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. On the same day that President Joe Biden suggested that Vladimir Putin should not be permitted to remain in office, Mr. Blinken made his remarks on the subject. During a speech in Poland, Vice President Biden made an offhand comment. Mr. Blinken claimed that the president merely stated that Russia could not be permitted to wage war against the Ukraine. According to the Kremlin, the Russian people have the right to choose their own leader and not Vice President Joe Biden. Ahead of a trip to Israel, Antony Blinken told reporters, I believe that President Obama and the White House emphasized the point last night that President Putin simply cannot be empowered to conduct war or to engage in aggression against Ukraine or anyone else. It is well known that we have no strategy for regime change in Russia or any other country, and we have stated this repeatedly. Russians are ultimately responsible for their own destiny in this case and in any other, he said. It is up to the Russian people, he continued. A report from Anthony Blinken Sorsha, a correspondent based in North America. The U.S. vice president remarked of Russian President Vladimir Putin, for God's sake, this man cannot remain in power, during a speech in Warsaw, Poland, on Saturday. Read more. Sean Penn vows to smelt Oscars if Zelensky isn't invited on awards show. Ukraine war, sanctions on Russia should stop only after withdrawal, says Liz Truss. In response to a poor tip, Hayden Panettiere got into a hotel fight. In response to Biden's remarks, the White House stated that he was not pushing for regime change, but rather making a point about Russia's neighbors not being able to wield authority over their neighbor. This was definitely an attempt to go backwards, and there is danger that this would increase Putin's anxiety and put him under even greater pressure. As the leader of a country that is now engaged in a military conflict and possesses a nuclear weapons, the United States is wary of placing Mr. Putin in a position of powerlessness. Directly calling for a change in government could exacerbate already existing instability and unpredictability. And you don't want any uncertainty in this situation. Richard Haas, a longtime U.S. ambassador, was outraged by Vice President Biden's remark. By making things more difficult and more dangerous in an already perilous scenario, Mr. Haas, President of the U.S. Council on Foreign Relations, tweeted. Then he continued, It's apparent. I advise his top aides contact their counterparts and make it clear that the U.S. is willing to deal with the Russian government, which is less obvious how to undo the damage, but. Following the White House's qualification of Vice President Biden's remarks, Mr. Haas returned to the matter, saying, at POTUS regime change call walkback is unlikely to wash. If this is what he has been waiting for, Putin will regard it as more validation of his beliefs. Discipline breakdown with the potential to escalate the breadth and duration of the conflict. On Saturday, intense rocket fire was unleashed on the western Ukrainian city of Lviv, which had hitherto been spared the worst of the conflict. Despite Russia's claim that it would focus on the east, it was one of a number of western sites that were bombed. President Volodymyr Zelensky made an impassioned late-night video message urging Western countries to assist Ukraine with planes, tanks, and missile defense systems. According to him, his country's machine guns couldn't take down Russian planes. In the South, Ukraine's top human rights commissioner has warned that the Russian-occupied port city of Kherson is on the verge of a humanitarian disaster. According to Lyudmila Denisova, a BBC reporter, there are food, water and medicine shortages all around the city. According to Russia's state-owned news agency RIA, 
Luhansk People's Republic leader Leonid Pasechnik has suggested that a referendum on joining Russia is imminent in the next few months. It was just a matter of days before Russia invaded Ukraine after it officially recognized the two breakaway republics of Luhansk and Donetsk as separate entities. Sarah Hughes, a writer for The Observer, passed away suddenly at the age of 48. Her husband discusses how he's surviving in the release of the memoir that was so important to her in this conversation. As a result of this year's Mother's Day email blitz, some mothers-to-be are more unhappy than the actual day itself. Christian Glynn, whose wife Sarah Hughes died of cancer in April at the age of 48, is a good example of this. In the year since her death, he says me, those messages are persistent, as he and their two teenage daughters approach the anniversary. When it comes to celebrating Mother's Day, Glynn has no grand plans for this year. In the absence of Hughes, he will instead spend his Sundays with Ruby, 15, and Oisin, 13, in the same way he always had with Hughes. With all the newspapers spread out in front of her, she would sit down for a nice breakfast and a peaceful period before tossing all the finished parts, which was her favorite tradition, he recalls. What's more significant is the happy publication of the book Hughes was working on when she died, which is set to take place at the end of this month. Writings from friends and co-workers who were close to the author have been assembled into a book called Holding Tight, Letting Go, My Life, Death, and Everything in Between. Her own strong writing about illness in lockdown and an earlier work about two stillbirths are also featured, as well as a passionate defense of trashy literature and a celebration of the delights despite her wretched health. Hugh's article on memory contains a section that is strikingly similar to Glynn's emotions on Mother's Day. It is crucial that they do not regard me as Saint Mom, the dead angel in paradise, but rather that they remember me with all my defects, she says in her essay. I was yelling, hurling shoes, and generally losing my cool at the worst possible time. Reading to them and checking their schoolwork, as well as making sure that they feel valued and adored despite all that life throws at them. Later on, she describes how difficult it was to find solace in some of the most well-known and revered works of literature about dying. Hughes admits that a book like Joan Didion's The Year of Magical Thinking didn't resonate with her. A major issue was that she was going to be the one to go. As an interesting aside, she recalls thinking out loud about which of her acquaintances might not live to old age in the years past. As soon as I realized what had happened, the solution seemed clear. Read more. Sean Penn vows to smelt Oscars if Zelensky isn't invited on awards show. Ukraine war, sanctions on Russia should stop only after withdrawal, says Liz Truss. Canada has pledged to help countries lessen their dependency on Russian oil. It was her immense empathy that made her the writer she was, Glynn writes in the last chapter of the book. It's clear from the chapters written by her friends and co-workers how important she was to their happiness. Another of Hugh's most recognizable traits, her voracious hunger for knowledge, shines through the pages. Tottenham Hotspur, horse racing, Daphne du Maurier's writings, and the television series Game of Thrones were among her favorite pastimes. Glynn explains, if she was passionate about anything, she would fight tooth and nail for it. Once she got going, it was like a stream of consciousness. When I read the book, I can hear her voice. However, as I often tell the youngsters, the worst is already over. No more deaths for her, Christian Glynn. Hughes amassed an enormous fan base, but her work with this Sunday newspaper dates back to the early 2000s, when she helped put up the sports sections. Glynn has just returned from the Cheltenham races, a tradition for the pair that dates back to their first date. In his own words, 
I had fun but I knew it would be different. A lot of things I'd have done with Sarah are still on my to-do list. I know they won't ever be the same again. It didn't matter if it was just the two of us or if we met up with friends, we always had a terrific time in Cheltenham. Through their shared love of sport, Glyn and Hughes first met while living in London. But their adult roles as financial investigators and due diligence specialists soon brought them to New York City, where Hughes began her career as a freelance writer. Even after they had a family, they still prioritized traveling. One of our main concerns was the holiday season. I took the kids to Berlin for half-term last year. Sarah would have known exactly where to go if she had been present. Her desire for life and education was so strong, he says. She showed up with a stack of Dostoevsky, all the Russian classics, on our honeymoon in Russia. She was never without a book. Glynn believes Hughes would have tried her hand at historical fiction if she had lived. There would have been billowing cloaks, he says with a chuckle. He promises that he and the kids will carry on doing the things that Hughes cherished. In the end, you get up and go on, but you don't forget. Though I've heard it will be difficult to celebrate our one-year wedding anniversary next month, the truth is that it's difficult every day of the year. However, as I often tell the youngsters, the worst is already over. No more debts for her. Glynn believes that the publication of Hughes' book was critical, not just because she desired it but also because he believed it would benefit others. Because of the responses to her articles in The Observer, I was aware of the potential benefit to others. Glynn claims that Hugh's vital energy is evident in the book's published form. Also, she is shown with her scars and all, in the form of an honest look at the scars and indentations her injuries and surgeries have left on her body. During the Euro 96 celebrations in Edinburgh, she fell on the cobblestones and hit her head on a lamppost. A mastectomy and cesarean sections followed. She calls her skin a living map of all that I have lived through in her essay. There was a lot of misadventure in Hughes's life, from her journalism to her body to her book. Despite the fact that she accomplished and felt more than enough in her existence, it does not make her death any less tragic.